Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the Watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Go ahead and, and take your seats. I do want to say I, I am, have the honor and the privilege to pastor this amazing church. And uh, y'all, if I can just say this real quickly, y'all look amazing today. Everybody got your outfits on, you look pretty. Uh, so uh, you did well, you did well. And uh, today we get the chance to come together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That's the story we're celebrating today. And if you would call Awaken Church, by the way, I just got to say this real quick. Last year, I stood on this platform and preached to an empty room. Can we just praise God for the fact that we get to gather this morning? I'm so thankful this morning I was texting different pastors that I uh, are friends with around the country and just saying, man, praying for you guys, excited that we get to gather as the church. And uh, the reason this is such a big day is because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, none of this matters. But because he did, it's all that matters. And, and when we come together, I want us to, you know, there's different views and different thoughts, I'm sure, in the room and those that are watching. Uh, maybe you're skeptical about who Jesus is. Maybe you have questions about the Bible, uh, the history of the church. But here's the deal. Jesus lived. There is ample evidence for his life. In fact, the smartest people in the world uh, and in history would agree with that fact. Albert Einstein, which none of y'all have an IQ on Albert Einstein, amen? This is what he said one time he was asked, do you believe in the Jesus of Nazareth? And this is what he said, unquestionably, no one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word and there is no myth filled with such life. That's Albert Einstein. It's a bright man. When we pick up, pick up the Bible, there's over 5,800 different Greek manuscripts that support the scriptures. It's the most historically reliable piece of literature that we have. There's record all over history of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's record of his death. He was executed publicly. We celebrated that on Good Friday. Between two criminals, he died, a criminal's cross, a public execution. The Bible records that day there was an earthquake that shook and the sky went black. Jesus, when he was dead, was taken down off of the cross by two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the one in John chapter 3 where Jesus had the conversation. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not die, but will have everlasting life. Nicodemus was a brilliant Israeli man. And on the day of crucifixion, when Jesus died, he pulled him down off the cross along with Joseph. They wrapped his body in cloths and then placed him in Joseph's tomb in the garden tomb. Jesus died physically. Then Easter is the day we come together and we celebrate the fact that two women, in fact, three women went to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. They find the tomb empty. When they walk in, they see an angel sitting there that says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is alive. And as we come to this point of resurrection, we have to ask the question, what did Jesus tell his disciples to do 
when he rose from the dead. He could say anything that he wants, right? He could do anything that he wants. If you rise from the dead, you can do whatever you want, right? That's Jesus rose from the dead. He could say anything, do anything, but here's what he says his disciples to do. This is the command that he gives his disciples the morning that he rises from the dead. He says, I need you to get back to Galilee. I need you to get back to Galilee. Check it out in Mark chapter 16. This is what we find. On the morning that the women entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. You would be too. The women were shocked and the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now check this. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Go tell the boys you got to get to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. And then Matthew tells us that the women ran quickly from the tomb and they were frightened, but also filled with great joy. Can you imagine all the emotions of this moment? Right? They're running, they're excited, they're afraid. They rush to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to Jesus and they grasped his feet and they worshiped Jesus. But then Jesus says to them, of anything that he could say in this moment, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. And they will see me there. What's so important about Galilee? Like we're in Jerusalem while this is taking place. All the the scenes of the cross, the trial, the arrest, the crucifixion of Jesus all took place in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital. It's a big city. Galilee is 70 miles away. So Jesus had traveled with his disciples into Jerusalem to observe the Passover. It was there that he was arrested. There he was put on trial. There he was crucified. There he was placed in a tomb. But Galilee is now 70 miles away. And with all due respect, Galilee is like the sticks. It's the countryside. Uh, It's like we're in Charleston. I want you to imagine Santee. It's the rednecks around the lake. Let's just be honest, okay? There's... I can't candy coat it. If you're here today from Santee, look, we love your lakes. We just don't want to live there, okay? That, that's, that's Galilee. It's 70 miles away from Jerusalem. It's a long journey, right? It's not a place of influence. With all due respect, it's pretty impoverished. Fishing communities, it's the outliers. It's not even a suburb of Jerusalem. It's just out there. So Jesus, if he just rose from the dead, why, why wouldn't he set up shop in Jerusalem, a place of high influence? where there's industry, where there's medicine, where there's government. Why wouldn't he just rule and reign there? Instead, he decides, hey, I want you to get back to Galilee. And what's interesting about it is Galilee is, for these guys, for the disciples, and even for Jesus, Galilee is home. Galilee's back where it all started. Galilee's the place that uh, Jesus was born in Nazareth, right outside. I mean, it's, if you look at the Sea of Galilee and the surrounding countryside, there's Nazareth. That's where Jesus was born. That's where the Jordan River is, where Jesus was baptized. Galilee's the place where uh, Jesus, when he walked along the Sea of Galilee, he walked along the shores and he saw the guys out in a fishing boat and they'd been fishing all night and they didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, hey, cast your nets on the other side. 
And though they're tired, they trust him and they throw their nets out and they take in a huge catch. And they decide, man, we want to follow after this guy. Jesus says, drop your nets, come follow me. And for the first time in their life, they latched on to this teacher named Jesus who became their best friend. Their relationship was pure. It had just started. Nazareth and Galilee, these are the places where Jesus taught in the public squares, where he forgave people that by religion's uh, standards should have been killed for their sin. Jesus chose to forgive them. Galilee was the place where Jesus performed miracles, where he gave sight to those who couldn't see, where he restored hearing to those who were deaf. Galilee was the place where uh, Jesus looked at Matthew, who just wrote this gospel, and said, get up from your tax collecting booth, leave your career, and follow after me. It was the place for these disciples where everything they knew about life and ministry with Jesus was just incredibly pure. But they had left Galilee, and they'd come to Jerusalem. And y'all, with all due respect, in Jerusalem, all hell broke loose. Their best friend, the one they called Messiah, was beaten, crucified, killed in front of their eyes, several of, in front of several of their eyes. It's where they grieved tremendously because their friend was lost, where they questioned, man, am I following the right person? Could it really be? Jerusalem was a place for them where things got really chaotic. And, and I was thinking about the story, and for me, it, came, it brought to mind that, that all of us, at some point in our lives, need, need a Galilee. We need a place where we can consider who Jesus is, unmarked by the culture, and, and what he calls us to, which is a relationship with himself. There's a, there's a picture that I keep in my office that reminds me of this moment. And I want to show it to you. That's my wife, Ashley. We were just dating at the time. And we're on a roof in Ontario, Canada. And I want you to leave that picture up there because for me, this is, this is my Galilee. When I think about this picture, it's the last day in my life where I didn't know who Jesus was. See, this was the night that I became a Christian. I would, I would work on a construction site all day long. I got invited on this trip. I was told it was a 10-day trip. We were going to go through Niagara Falls, do some sightseeing. My girlfriend was going, and I'm like, look, I need to get on that trip. It sounds romantic. And it's 20 hours on a bus with her, and I'm not driving. And I'm just being honest. Went up, had an incredible week, right? And this is the tail end of the week. The roof was finished. We took this shot. That night, I would go into a worship service, much like this, but much smaller, sing some songs. A man would get up and deliver the gospel, which is the good news that God loved me so much. He sent his one and only son to die for my sins on a cross. He was thrown in a tomb, but he rose on the third day. I believe that truth for the first time. My life forever changed. Now, I wish... I do wish that every day of my life since that moment, I was as passionate, I was as pure, and it was as exciting to me as it was that night, but that's not the reality. Because life happens, y'all. And you, and you already know that. Some of you that have been walking with the Lord for any period of time, you know life happens, and what life happens, like interruptions come into your faith, right? I think about, uh, there's, the reason I keep this in my office is there's some days I forget the purity and the passion and the joy with which I first started following Jesus. I remember the, uh, when, when Ashley and I got married a couple years later, and we would start, to start out in ministry and start to endure some financial hardships, right? Things get tough financially, and then what happens? Lord, 
Like, if you're really there, I need you to come through, right? The faith starts to dwindle a little bit. Or the miscarriage, where we got pregnant. And we're going, if God's so good, why would a good and loving God allow this to happen to me? Or the time that I stood bedside with a staff member and held a child that was lifeless. And I come back to my office and I look at this picture and I'm like, I remember, I remember Galilee because for me, this picture was Galilee. It was the place where I saw Jesus for who he was and I fell in love with him. But life sometimes deals a hard blow. And when I think about the disciples in this moment, oftentimes we read the Easter account and we're like, hey, Jesus rose. And we think all the disciples were like, yeah, he did it. That's not the reality. Y'all, on Easter morning, this first resurrection morning, they're sad. They're grieving. They're depressed. They're questioning, is he even who he says he is? They're disappointed at how life had turned out. They're frustrated that he's not a reigning king, that he didn't take over Jerusalem. They're scattered. They're not even together at this time. Some are locked behind closed doors. Others, I believe, had already started walking back home to Galilee. And so when Jesus shows up and says, here's your one instruction, get back to Galilee. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying is go home. Just come back home. Come back home. It's like Jesus is just calling his people. Let's go back. Let's get out of the chaos, out of the noise, away from the distractions. Let's go back home, back to where it all started. And if I think about Easter right now for the church and all of us, it's this. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? So much chaos, division at times, disappointment with how life has gone down, frustration, maybe with leadership, maybe even with the church, maybe even towards God. But y'all, Easter this year, I believe is an invitation to just come back home. I believe it's Jesus going, look, let's just come back home. Let's make it simple. Let's go back to where it all began. And so they hear this, right? The women go and say, look, it's, it's time to pack up and go. Now, I want to imagine that there's guys like Thomas, right? Because Thomas openly doubted Jesus. They're like, hey, he's alive. And Thomas says, uh, yeah, when I get to touch his hands myself, then I'll believe. I imagine Peter, y'all who, Peter sold him out. Jesus called that, by the way. Could you imagine eating a dinner with your friends? Last meal with Jesus. And he's like, yep, you're going to deny me three times when the rooster crows. Peter's like, nope, not me. Maybe them, not me. And then it happens. That's Peter. And I imagine on this morning when he has to wake up and he gets word that you got to go to Galilee, that there's a part of him that's um, shameful, maybe guilty, right? By the way, you know that Jesus died for our sin and our shame. Sometimes I think we can accept the fact he died for our sins, but we come to church full of shame. You don't need to carry that anymore. I think on the journey back to Galilee, there was all kinds of emotions. There were doubts. There were frustrations. uh, There was guilt. There was shame. On this journey, there's new people that are following along with the disciples. Wait a minute, y'all talking about a risen Jesus? You mean the man we saw crucified is actually alive in Galilee? Uh Uh-huh, yep, well, I'm going there, right? Like, there, there was a crowd that was moving to Galilee, and I want us to understand, it was all across the spectrum. There were the women who had seen him with their own eyes. Oh, we believe I'm getting there. I saw him and he's alive. There was Peter, who's like, man, I don't know what's gonna happen when I get there. If he is alive, am I going to get punished? Right? Some people, I think, come to Easter that way or get invited to Easter and they're like, can't come, pastor. Lightning's going to strike your church. I'm like, we got an insurance policy. Just show up, you know? 
There were doubters, you know, on this journey, openly doubting. And I just like to imagine the stories that are being told on the way. You know, you imagine the guys walking like, hey, I remember that one time he did this. Remember the miracle? And yeah, you remember the teaching? Remember what he told us? Yeah, that, he actually said he was going to be killed and then raised up on the third day. Y'all remember that? Like, I imagine some of the stories as they're going back and just some of the excitement that's building. But what if, and then when they get back to Galilee and they go home, like, what about the family and friends that are going to make fun of them because their savior had been killed? Yeah, we told y'all that was fake. You should have stuck with that tax collecting job, Matthew. Your boy got killed in Jerusalem, right? Like the persecution, all the different emotions as they're making their way back to Galilee. And the truth is, y'all, Easter is our Galilee moment. It's the chance we come back. And maybe you're here and you got questions and you're skeptical and you're doubtful. Maybe your emotions are grief or disappointment. But the truth is this. Jesus says, just come on back. And if you don't trust him enough to get here, which you have, by the way, you're here. And the fact that you're here tells me this, or the fact that you're watching tells me this. There's something in your life that you're missing and you know only he can fill. And maybe this is your first time here and you came because you had an obligatory invite from somebody. Can I just tell you this? They loved you enough to ask you to come with them because this has changed their life. The guys get back to Galilee. The girls get back to Galilee. And where we find them in John chapter 20 is they're they're fishing. So imagine Peter goes back. He gets to Galilee. Guess what? Jesus sitting there right away, right? Now, maybe he's the only one that puts demands on Jesus to work on his timetable. I tend to do the same thing, right? Like as soon as we cross the city limits into Galilee, where's Jesus? I hang here, told y'all. And so Peter decides, hey, I'm going fishing. He tells the disciples, I'm going back fishing. Peter had a boat docked at the Sea of Galilee. Says, I'm going back out in the boat. And all of his friends are like, all right, we'll go too. Any of y'all got friends with boats? Amen. It's better to have a friend with a boat than to own a boat. <laughs> Peter says, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go fishing and I don't, I don't want to over-spiritualize this. I tend to read the scriptures and go, these are real people in real time with real stories. I think Peter got to the place where he went back and realized, you know what? Maybe this isn't all it was baked up to be. I'm going back to life before Jesus. I'm going to go back to my old life. I'm going to hop in the boat. I'm going to go catch some fish. And, and as he's fishing and as the disciples are out there with him, John sees something on the beach. And the, the one he sees on the beach shouts out to these guys, hey, y'all catch anything? And John goes, it's the Lord. And Peter in this moment, seeing Jesus, jumps in the water, clothes on and all, swims all the way to the shore, says, I don't have time for this boat to turn around and get there. I need to get directly in front of Jesus. There was something about Peter that said, I got to take hold of this man because he is who he said he was. And y'all, I want us to realize when we see this moment in the story, it's Jesus running it all the way back to the beginning. This is the same place and the same words he first said to them. What is he doing? He's making all things new and he's restoring all of it. When I, when I look at Jesus in this story, it's like, look, there's a lot that has happened in these disciples' lives. There's a lot of chaos and confusion and disappointment and grief, so much emotion. But Jesus says, look, let's just bring it back to the beginning. And when they get to the beach and they get in front of Jesus, he's got this fire made on the beach and he's serving them breakfast. 
And in this encounter with Jesus on the beach, he looks at Peter, fully forgives him in front of the other disciples, which I think is a beautiful thing. We see Thomas. Thomas' doubts are completely removed. I would imagine there's new people on this day, once they saw Jesus, that placed their faith in him and started believing. And this was really the moment the early church starts to be born. These guys realize everything that Jesus said came true. He is who he said he was. He did what he said he would do. And because of that, everything's different. This encounter with Jesus in Galilee changed everything. Y'all, I just believe that this is a picture of what the church should be. Different views, different spectrums. Maybe you're here this morning full of grief or disappointment or frustration. Maybe you've come with joy because it is the best week of your life. But here's the reality. We're all on a different place on that spectrum. But Jesus says to every single one of us, just come home. Just come home. Come back to me. And maybe you're here and you're going, look, I was never there. I don't have a Galilee moment. I don't have a place to go back to where I gave my life to Jesus and began this relationship. Can I just tell you today's that day for you? The Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, today, today. And what's amazing in this story is when Jesus sits with these disciples and these new believers, no doubt are latching on. There was no credentials of like, okay, now you got to do all this because Peter's been with me for three years or John's been with me for three years or Thomas has been with me for three years. No, it's like, hey, we're all following Jesus together. We're all on this journey together. And I want to invite you today, no matter whether this is your first time at Awaken Church or your 100th time at Awaken Church, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have a Galilee moment, let today be that day. I can't beg you enough to give your life to Jesus. Will life happen? Absolutely. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There'll be disappointments and there'll be celebrations. There'll be times where you are full of joy and there may, be, there may be times where you hit with despair. But here's the reality of Jesus. He says, just come home, because when you're with me, I can make it all right. I can make it all right. I want a relationship with you, and I want you in my presence. That's ultimately what the Easter story is about. Would you bow your heads right now all across the room? I'm going to ask that no one's looking around. Maybe today's the first day you've actually heard the story of the gospel. Maybe today's the first day that you fully understand why Jesus came back to life. I imagine he looked at those disciples and he was saying to them, boys, it's done. It's done. I, I defeated sin and death and hell. I'm alive and because I'm alive, you too can live forever. Maybe today you, you're ready to receive salvation and give your life to Jesus. I wanna invite you just to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe Jesus was placed in a tomb, but I also believe he rose on the third day. And today I place my trust in Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. I'm ready to come home. It's in Jesus' name I pray.